0: Again to Calvary Chapel. It's so great to have you here. I hope you feel welcomed and loved. If it's your first time here at Calvary Chapel, we don't have membership. You show up, you love God, you're a part of the family. You show up, you don't love God yet, you can become a part of the family. Amen. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to continue our verse by verse study through the New Testament. Let me encourage you to read 1 Samuel 25 for this coming Wednesday night. We'll be looking, Lord willing, at the entire chapter. So it's always good to read ahead and be prepared. Now, real quickly, and you know that doesn't really really mean real quickly. That's real quickly in pastor ease, right? Somewhat quickly. Let's do a review just to catch you up because I want you to understand where we are, and it's very important that you do. This book, the book of Hebrews, was written by a Jew to the Jews to tell them to quit being Jews. And it was written to them because there was a temptation at that time early on in Christianity, to be drawn back and go back to Judaism, to go back to the sacrificial system, to go back to the temple, to go back to the way you were raised and the way you grew up. And as I've said for the last many weeks as we've been going through Hebrews, that maybe you're here and most of us probably are not being drawn back into Judaism, but we may be drawn back into an old way of life. Having given our lives to Jesus Christ, there's nothing the enemy wants more than to remove you from walking in God's grace and go back to the law. Remove you from understanding the grace and the mercy and the love of God and go back to something else that will only destroy you or take you away from the Lord. That's exactly how this letter was written and the entire theme of the book of Hebrews can be summed up in this, Jesus is better. Amen? Amen. Chapter 1, it says... He's better than the prophets. The prophets are good. The prophets were men used mightily by God to deliver God's word to the people. While the prophets were good, Jesus is better. Because the prophets pointed to the Messiah, but Jesus is the Messiah. In chapter 2, we see that Jesus is better than the angels. The angels certainly are good, used by God, messengers for God, but Jesus is God. And so Jesus is better than the angels. In chapter 3, we saw that Jesus is better than Moses or the law. The law is good. It's a taskmaster or a schoolmaster, as the Bible says, that leads us to the cross. Without the law, without the word of God, the Old Testament, in this case, we would have no knowledge of sin. And guys, the... Without the knowledge of sin, we'll see no need for a savior. So the law is good. Moses certainly was a man used mightily by God to lead the children of Israel. But while Moses pointed them to the Lord and was the law pointing them to Christ, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And so all that the law pointed to was fulfilled in the Lord. When we got to chapter four, we talked about entering into his rest. Because you need to understand that the children of Israel had missed out on God's highest. And this is the illustration used by the writer who I believe is the Apostle Paul. He says to them, don't fall into the same mistake as your ancestors. They were delivered out of bondage in Egypt and they were headed to the land of promise. God's word had promised them they could enter in. But sadly, they listened to the word of men over the word of God. And instead, they listened to 10 spies and they wandered in the wilderness till they all died. And I believe we we have a lot of tweener Christians today. They've been delivered from bondage, but they have not entered into that spirit-filled life. Guys, when they came out of Egypt, it was only when the blood at Passover in the shape of the cross, the blood of the lamb applied, that they were able to get out of the bondage of Egypt, which is a picture of the world. But God wants us to be more than saved as by fire. God wants us to live a life sold out and set apart unto him. To live a life filled with this Holy Spirit. To not be ashamed of our Savior. Guys, it's time for us to get past lukewarm Christianity. It's time for us to live lives sold out and set apart for Him, making Him the passion of our lives. And that's what this letter is about because as we walk in lukewarmness, we're just as close to being cold or probably closer to being cold than we are to being hot. And so what happens is we start to fall away. You've heard me say it many times, Christianity is like a grease pole. You're either climbing up or sliding down. Amen? You're either drawing closer to the Lord or you're falling away from Him. And so the exhortation that we see throughout this wonderful book, the second book in the whole Bible, in my mind, as far as doctrine and theology is concerned, second only to the book of Romans, the exhortation repeatedly is, don't go back, go forward. Don't go back to the person you used to be, and don't be satisfied with the person you are. Amen? We should never get to the point where we're fully satisfied with where we are with Jesus Christ. We should always desire to be closer and more on fire for Him. So the temptation was to go back. Well, last week, we saw chapter 5. And the temptation there was, and we saw the comparison that they had a high priest, and no doubt they came to these new Jewish Christians and said, Well, we still have the temple. It hadn't been destroyed yet. It wasn't 70 AD. It hadn't come down yet. We still have the temple. What do you have? We still have a high priest with all the robes. What do you have? We have all the religious trappings you guys meet in homes or gymnasiums. You guys don't have anything. We got everything. You've got nothing. And by the way, who is your high priest anyway? Well, guess what? The high priest was good, but Jesus is our great high priest, and he's way better. Amen? Let me encourage you to get the tape from last week, but because it's such a great text. But I'll give you quickly the eight things we looked at. Why is Jesus better? He's in heaven. Seat at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you right now. Amen? He's a great high priest. The high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year, only with blood. And you know what? He needed to pay for his own sin first. Our Heavenly Father sent His Son, who became our great high priest, who never had to pay for his sin, because He is sinless. So He's in heaven. He's the Son of God. He's sinless. He paid the price once and for all, where the high priest kept having to pay every year, and every day for that matter. He was in all ways tempted, and yet without sin, the high priests were tempted, and they sinned. He was called by God, not by men. He is our high priest forever. We don't need another one. Amen. We don't need priests today. Amen. We don't need priests. We don't need people in positions between us and God. There are no layers between us and God except for the son, Jesus Christ. We come straight through him. He is our great high priest. He suffered in our place. He was both The high priest and the sacrifice. Jesus is better. And then lastly, he is the author of eternal salvation. None of those things could be said about the old or the high priest in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Now, brings us to this morning's text. And as we come here, he's going to continue on. Now he's told them everything about the high priest. He's told everything about the prophets and the, the angels and Moses and how we enter into true rest. And now he's going to exhort them. And as he exhorts them, he's exhorting them with something that you and I need to listen to, because we too can fall into the same trap, that attempt to go back to something other than Jesus. Guys, there is nothing else. There is no one else. Nothing else in this life matters. Nothing else is close to Jesus Christ. We need not to listen to the words of men, but the word of God. We need not to be worried about the so many things we can get caught up in and get our eyes off of Jesus Christ. So he's going to now exhort them. And this word, no doubt, is for many of us here today. Many have given your life to the Lord some time ago, but you find yourself struggling with the same things you did years ago. Does God want you to struggle with the same things for the rest of your life? What's the answer? Absolutely not. Are we going to sin for the rest of our lives? What's the answer? Yes. But he wants us to grow spiritually. And we need not to be swayed by the trials of life and the words of men and be tempted to go back to the old way. The message to these first century Christians and the message to you and I this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is, It's Time to Grow Up. It's Time to Grow Up. He's saying to them, you've been spiritually immature long enough. You guys have got the truth and now you want to go back to the old way of life. And it's time for us to become more mature in our faith and stop dabbling with it. It's time for us to grow up in our walk with Jesus Christ. To no longer live the life of a spiritually immature infant, but to grow into the man or woman of God he's called us to be. Notes are up on the board. If you're taking notes, two things we'll see. Marks of spiritual immaturity and then we'll begin to see the call to spiritual maturity. What are the marks of spiritual immaturity? Number one, a dullness toward the Word of God. Number two, the inability to share with others. We'll talk about that. Number three, an improper spiritual diet. You're feeding on the wrong things. Number four, a lack of spiritual discernment. And then finally, time and Lord willing, we're going to look at a call to spiritual maturity and we'll just get to the beginning of that, that God's called us to, be go, to go beyond the basics. Amen? All right. All right. Amen. That was really weak. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Now, so let's look at Mark's spiritual immaturity, dullness toward the word. Let me let me read verses nine and 10 to give us the context. We'll pick up in verse 11. It says and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now we'll talk about Melchizedek in chapter seven. Melchizedek, a type, a picture, I believe, Jesus Christ in the flesh upon the earth. Now here's what he says of whom we have much to say. So he says, you know what? According to the order of Melchizedek, he's talking about Jesus being the great high priest. He says, of of whom I have much to tell you. I've got great things I want to share with you from the Word of God about about the God of the Word. I want to share these things with you how it relates, how Melchizedek relates to Jesus Christ. But at the same time, watch his follow-up. Great things I need to tell you. Great things I'd love to tell you. But he's not sure that these Jewish converts are ready to hear what he has to teach. Look what he says. And hard to explain. It's a deep, meaty message that they would have a hard time grasping. Probably not because of the depth of the word, but the shallowness of their hearts. Guys, God doesn't give us the word so deep that we can't grasp it. Amen? Amen? If we don't grasp it, it's not that the Word is too deep, it's that we're too shallow. It's that our hearts are too shallow. We're not ready to hear from God. We're not open to hearing from God. We're not ready to receive His Word. We're not ready to have the Holy Spirit come and do surgery on us. What we want instead is the, you know, the seven steps to financial freedom. Three ways to overcome your anger. Beaver doesn't live here anymore, the series, or whatever, right? You know what I mean? Just where, it just, just... Add to my life the way my life is, but don't ask me to do anything different. Don't take deeper truths of God's word. They're going to transform my life. But God wants to transform our lives. Amen? Amen? And whose life here needs to be transformed? Raise your hand. Amen. So you know what? This is the exhortation here. I have great things to share with you, but you're not ready. That's what he's telling them. You're not ready to hear it. And let me tell you why you're not ready to hear it. And it's because they had grown dull. Look what he says. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. He doesn't say hard to explain, because it's a difficult word. Because it's just so deep. He says, no, because you've become dull of hearing. The problem is not that he is dull, the teacher, but they were dull hearers. Amen? That was really weak. (laughs) The word dull there means sluggish, lazy, stupid, slothful, or dull. That's pretty direct, you know. I'd love to share this with you, but you're a bunch of stupid hearers. That's what he says. You guys aren't getting it. You're not ready to hear it. You don't. You're just not. You don't. You're not grasping a hold of God's word. He said you become dull hearers. Their laziness and slothfulness in regards to spiritual things had caused them to become spiritually dull. It kept them from understanding the truth of God's word. Spiritual apathy present, prevents spiritual growth. Let me say that again. If you're spiritually apathetic, you will not grow spiritually, period. You won't, you can't, it won't happen. God desires that you would grow. He desires that intimate fellowship with you, but he will never force it upon you. He loves you guys. He reaches out to us every day. He draws us unto himself. But if we are apathetic, we will never grow. Time to grow up. Amen? Time to move past being an infant. The word there, to become dull. This process had started all the way back in chapter 2 when he said, you're drifting from the Word. Then in chapter 3 he said, now you're doubting the Word. And now he says, you've got dullness toward the Word. This is what happens. We start drifting, then we start doubting, and then we stop hearing. Guys, maybe that's you. Maybe you're here this morning, you were invited by a friend, you haven't been in the Word of God a long time. You started drifting, then you doubted, and now you just don't listen. God brought you here this morning by divine appointment to tell you, time to listen. Time to get your eyes back on Him. How's it been working out without Him anyway, by the way? I'm just wondering. Not so good, amen? Life without Christ is not a life worth living. One of the first symptoms of spiritual regression or backsliding is a dullness toward the Word of God. All of a sudden, your devotions become dry. The Word of God's not dry. You are. Amen? Amen? Or then, because your devotions are dry, you just stop reading. Your Bible study is dull. The preaching and teaching is dull. We know that can't be true. (laughs) Just kidding. Anything and everything spiritual becomes dull. And that's a sign, not of the Word, but our heart. Because the problem is not the Word. It's not the one delivering it. The problem is the dull heart of the one who should be receiving it. The Bible is not boring. If I hear that again, I'm going to be sick. The Bible's not boring. You're boring. (laughs) Amen? Amen. I didn't know Pastor David was going to be so direct. You've never been here before. (laughs) The problem is not just with individual believers, sadly. It's a problem with the entire church today. We are trying to do everything we can. The The quote church, and I'll use that in the loose term because I don't know if it's all really the church. Only God knows, and it's not up for me to to decide, nor do I want to. But here's the problem in the church today. We're getting away from teaching the Bible, or we apologize for it when we even quote it. There are churches taking the cross out. They don't want to talk about sin because people will feel convicted. Let's have easy believism. Let's make it as easy as possible on people to become Christians. Guys... If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We are new creations in him. We die to the person we used to be. We can't just be the person we were and dress it up with a little bit of church and keep living our old life and call ourselves Christians. Amen. Christianity is being on fire, sold out, set apart, filled with the spirit of the living God and he's the passion of your life. Guys, we need to get to that place. We want to see Santa Cruz, Holy Cross, turn right side up for Jesus Christ. It's got to start in our hearts first. Amen? Amen? And so they're dull of hearing, their hearts are hardened because they are flesh-centered. And that's what's happening in the church today. Preach a flesh-centered message and you can draw a crowd by droves. Guys, I'd rather disciple five than entertain 5,000. It's not about entertainment, it's about being discipled and growing spiritually. Amen? So this is the word, you see this exhortation to them, guys, you don't hear it because your hearts are hard. You don't want to hear it because you've become dull in your relationship with the Lord. And we don't need to lower the bar to reach the spiritually lukewarm. We need to teach the Word of God that they might be raised up to a relationship with Him. Watch out when the Word of God starts seeming dull to you. Know who's at fault in that case. It's not God, it's you. Amen? Amen. Pray and ask Him to give you a heart for Him again. The the word has not become dull. Your heart has become hard. Soften my heart, Lord. Draw me unto yourself. It's time to grow up. Marks of spiritual immaturity. First thing that happens is dullness toward the word. If the word of God is not exciting to you, you need to read it more and need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to life to you because it is not. Amen? Amen. God's word is great. God's word rocks. Amen? Amen? It really does. It's, it's the, by by the way, it's the national bestseller. You want to read a bestseller? Read your Bible. Amen? Not the globe or anything. Who cares who's adopting and who's breaking up with who? Read your Bible. Amen? Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All right. Second, not only is there a dullness toward the word, but there's an inability to share with others. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. What? What? He says to them, they're fairly new believers, right? They've only been walking with God a few years, probably. And he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Having walked with God a few years, you ought to be teachers. Now, this doesn't mean, this word here doesn't mean necessarily pastor, teacher, but it means you ought to be teaching and discipling others. So everybody in this room, everybody in this room, if you've been in the word, you've been walking with the Lord a couple of years, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be sharing your faith with others. You ought to be making disciples and pouring your life out in the lives of others. If you don't, you'll continue to walk in spiritual infancy. By this time, again, amount of time you follow Jesus, you should be more mature than you are. And that's what he's telling them. And that's what he's telling us as a church today. Amen? We need to be more mature, don't we? I know I do. I want to have a greater passion, a greater desire, a greater devotion, a greater walk with the Lord. And not be satisfied where we are. So we're all called by God to share our faith. We're all called to make disciples. But even though they had walked with the Lord, they hadn't grown deep enough in their knowledge of the word to be able to share it with others. And Indeed, look what he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Instead of helping others to grow, these Hebrew Christians were in need of learning again the very simple truths of the Christian life. Instead, they should be teachers and they needed to be taught themselves. That is the church in the United States today. We should be teaching and reaching out and the church needs to be reminded of what we're all about. Acts 2.42 describes the church. And they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread, fellowship, prayer and the apostles' doctrine. So it's the word of God, it's fellowship, it's prayer. Okay, those are the things. That's the simplistic thing. You know, we can have 8,000 things going on that have nothing to do with the Lord. We can entertain ourselves, we can keep ourselves busy, but we're not growing spiritually and we're not impacting the world around us. God desires that this not be a religious country club. Amen? You've heard me say it before. If we're not going to teach the word, throw the horns on the wall and call it the Elks Club. Amen? Amen? I mean, if we don't teach the Bible, this is not the church. It's the Word of God that will transform our lives. And He's telling them. He's exhorting them. You ought to be teachers, but you know what? You've gotten so far away from the Word of God, you need someone to come in and teach you. You need someone to come in and exhort you and get your eyes back to where they need to be. This happens today. There are people in this room, no doubt, who've been saved a very long time and are still spiritually immature. Oh, Pastor Dave, that was, that was a wee off sides, right? That was kind of rough. Ouch. Here's the point, guys. I share that with you, not to condemn you, but to encourage you. That To encourage you that you need not be immature in your faith anymore. The level of maturity of your faith truly is up to you. It's up to you to decide to make God the priority of your life. You know, we see this often. I'll meet someone who's been a Christian 25 years and they need to be propped up in their faith every single week. Every week. You got to go alongside them and go, hey, bro, it's okay. Lord still loves you, man. It's all right. You're going to heaven. Here, let me help you up. Let me help you up. Now, let me say something. There's times when all of us need to be encouraged. Amen? Amen? But let me say this. When a newborn baby is learning to walk, you hold the baby's hand, right? He falls over. You pick him back up. You make sure he's not around sharp objects or corners, right? Don't you do that? That's what you do. And, you know, as a baby, at a year old, even, you know, year and a half, as you're teaching them to walk, that's one thing. If the guy's 27, <laughs> and you've got to come and, you know, and take, this, take the edges away, and... No, no, no. Dude, grow up. Start walking on your feet, man, all right? You know, we, didn't, we shouldn't have to tell you every day, oh, it's okay, Lord still so loves you. Hey, guys, we need to be telling other people that. We need to be the ones letting everybody know because we know by experience that it's true. So may we walk the walk, amen? May we have, again, a walk sold out for Him. Another sign of spiritual immaturity is that we're easily knocked down. The smallest wave comes and we fall. But you know what? Spiritual maturity is seeing that no matter how big the waves are, we hold on to our Saviour. You know the story when they were out in the Sea of Galilee and the waves kick up, and the Lord already told them they were going to the other side, but they started to panic. Why? Because they looked at the waves. What was Jesus doing? Who remembers? Sleeping. Jesus was sleeping. If they looked at Jesus instead of the waves, it would have been just fine. Right. And so too for us, when the waves and trials of life start kicking up, get your eyes off the waves and get your eyes on Jesus, and you'll be just fine. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He's not panicking. Why should we? Let's trust the Lord. They hadn't grown deep in their knowledge of the word. They had a lack of a biblical foundation. Not because it wasn't available, but because they had not availed themselves of God's word. They had chosen not to dig deep into the word of God. Guys, we will be the most accountable of any generation who's ever lived on this planet before Almighty God for our exposure to God's word. We have... Multiple Christian radio stations. We have Christian music. We got more study Bibles than we can count. We've got more Bibles about books about the Bible than our books in the Bible. We got books and books and books. We've got churches on every street corner. We have more exposure than these people did by far and far less persecution in this country. And we're going to be accountable before Almighty God. How have we availed ourselves to what He has given to us? He says to them, You're spiritually mature. Why? Because you guys. Though it was available to you, you chose not to dig into it. Thinking about that Bible that's at your house that you forgot to bring that's collecting dust? Can I encourage you, go home, blow the dust off of it, and start reading it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Not too late. The Lord loves you. You guys all know I love you, right? All right. Coming from a heart of love. You know what? Because when we get out of God's Word, we are so easily drawn away by anything. If you don't know the truth of God's word, you will fall for the lie. You will fall for the lies of the enemy. You'll fall for false doctrine. You'll fall for cultic teaching because you don't have the truth to compare it against. That's why we must be in the word of God. To know the word of God is to know the God of the word. You want to know him better? You want to love him more? Spend time in his word. So here's what's happening. Context again. Remember context. Remember A text out of context only leaves us with a con, right? Remember that? Here's the point. When they were being tempted to go back to Judaism, they were being tempted because they had not remembered what the Word of God said. They'd forgotten the fact that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Word. And instead, they were being tempted to go back by old friendships and old ways of life. And isn't it amazing how our past lies to us? And in their case, it was even worse because... At the moment, it was exactly what God had called them to do. But now, after the cross, the old sacrifices were no more. And there was certainly confusion and a desire by some to go back. May we come to know God's word so well that His voice is the one we hear louder than any other. Amen? Know God's word so well that His voice drowns out the lies of the world. That His voice supersedes even that of family and friends and peers that we may know the truth, stand firm in it, and be able to teach it to others. So it's time to grow up. Marks of spiritual immaturity, dullness toward the word of God, and an inability to share it with others. Now the second half of verse 12, we'll see an improper spiritual diet. Here's why they're dull. Here's why they can't share with others. Their diet is poor. Look what it says, second half of verse 12. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now what is milk? Milk is pre-digested food. Is that true or not? Okay, it's pre-digested food. And it's specially suited for babies. And like little children can only bear the most spirit, you know, simple nourishment, and that's, that's what it's like. You know, it's for those who can only take in the most simple and most basic of nourishment. They haven't grown enough yet. And he's saying to them, you guys are at a point where all you can handle is milk. You can't even handle the meat of God's word right now. All you can take in is the most simple thing. Now, I want to say this. Milk is good. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So as a newborn believer, it's so important that they grasp the foundational things of the word of God. That they understand the simplicity. One of the greatest songs ever written, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Great song, amen? Amen. Great truth to understand. We need to grasp that first. But God wants us to go beyond that as well. God wants us to start there and make that the foundation. The simplicity of the gospel, the good news of salvation, the death of our Savior upon the cross, the fact that we can be new creations in Christ, these are great things. And while we all enjoy milk with a meal, If all we ever had was milk, we would be malnourished. If all we ever had was the simplicity, over and over and over. You know what I love about just teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the whole counsel of God? We get it all. Amen? We don't just pick out the easy stuff. We don't skip over the difficult chapters. We get all of it. We get the whole meal, right? From appetizer to dessert, we get it all. And praise God for that, and that's why I love just the systematic teaching through the entire Bible. If there is to be growth, solid food must be added to the diet. The word meat there is, as we're going to see, that word solid food actually is meat. And it's a deep, mature doctrine, the whole counsel of God. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe without solid food of the whole counsel of god one will remain a spiritual infant i believe that we have a church filled with spiritual infants we have a church filled again with the easy believism it's gotten all the way up to the path you know the guys teaching the word now are preaching this very doctrine come to jesus and let him give you everything you ever wanted not everything he wants for you which is a good thing but everything you want for your flesh. Just come to Jesus. That's what it's all about. You know what? They take surveys now when they plant churches and they go around in the neighborhoods and they ask the unbelievers what they want in a church and then give them that. That's contrary to the Bible, amen? Amen. Now it's the word of men driving the church rather than the word of God. And he's telling them that those who only partake of milk are unskilled. Maturity is not equal, as we used to say when I worked at the phone company, to your time and title, right? What's your time and title? How long you been in the company, right? That kind of thing. A lot of times we think because we've been a Christian a long time, that somehow makes us mature. Can I tell you, and I'm just going to be direct, I know that shocks you, but I, I am. But here's the point. We have people in our church right here, in this room right now, have been saved two years that are more spiritually mature than some people that have been saved 20. That's a fact. You know Why? Some are passionate and hungry and pursuing God and seeking his face and spending time in his word and others are just living their same first year of Christianity over and over again. They're not growing. They're not hungry. They're not passionate. They get bummed out when they find out that things are going to be a little... Oh, what? Oh, oh, gravel parking lot? I don't think I can come. a little hot. I'm going to stay home. You know what I mean? Our faith just becomes, if it's convenient, Amen. I'd love to take you all to India with me sometime. We'd come back and be praising God for the gym. People walking miles in 100 and 100 we And we sit here and go, oh, but you know, the chairs. And we got the new chairs now, so you're pretty, you're pretty stoked. But the metal chairs, I used to hear, oh, well, when you get rid of the metal chairs, I'll come back. And I used to think, please don't. Because next week, something else will be a problem. If you're coming here to meet Jesus, he's always here, and it doesn't matter how hard the chairs are. Amen? We need to get past that. Now, let me say this. If you only drink milk, you cannot help others, and the truth is you remain a spiritual infant. And again, a baby in a crib is beautiful. A little baby in a crib, you know, sucking on his binky with the feet in pajamas, right? And you go in there, and it's just one of the cutest things you've ever seen. It's really beautiful. But if you come back, 20 years later, 6'5", 220, footed pajamas, sucking on a binky, and yeah, not so much, it's tragic, isn't it? It really is. And the truth is that that's how some Christians are. Binky, footed pajamas, 6'5", 220. It's just wrong. And the point is that God wants us to grow. It's time to grow up. It's time for us to go deeper in our faith and pursue our God with our whole heart. Too many Christians have been saved 20 years, no solid food in their diet, and they're just big babies. An exhortation not just for those who, again, in the first century church, but also for us as well, to move beyond the infancy by feeding on the whole counsel of God. So it's time to grow up. Marks of spiritual immaturity. Number one, dullness toward the Word. Number two, An inability to share the word with others. Number three, an improper spiritual diet. It's been said nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Leviticus is just as inspired as Luke. And before you read the vitamins, the vitamins are good. Vitamins are good if you add them to your diet. Amen. We have a bookstore back there and there are many great books in the bookstore. But those are vitamins. This is meat and potatoes right here. And the only time you take vitamins is if you had a good, well-balanced meal first. If you eat only vitamins, you're going to die. If you only hear what other people have to say about God instead of reading God's word for yourself, you will never grow. God's word is the source of your growth and your strength, in, being strengthened in your faith. Fourth thing that we see as a mark of spiritual maturity, a lack of spiritual discernment. This is a natural outflowing of what happens when we don't know the word of God. We can't discern. Look what it says. But solid food belongs to those Who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, the meat of God's word belongs to those who are spiritually mature. Just as physical health and strength and growth are impossible without proper nutrition, so too spiritual growth and maturity are impossible apart from a proper feeding upon the meat of God's word. God's word is the source of our faith and our spiritual growth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. the word of God. You want your faith to grow, spend more time in God's word. Your faith doesn't grow because you try to make it grow. I've seen people do this, right? It's got to have more faith. have more faith. That's not it. You want to have more faith? Do this. Read your Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God has the power to transform our lives. The Bible says, and we saw this a few weeks ago, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word does surgery on us. It's amazing how we open up God's word and we can all read the same chapter and it can impact all of us differently because God's word cuts right to the quick and right to our heart And transforms our lives. God's word indeed discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But so too, spiritual immaturity is revealed when there is no ability to discern between truth and a lie and good and evil. This is why, again, look what it says here, the second half of that verse. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Guys, we need to be exercising our faith. What does that mean? Well, when you become spiritually mature, full age, those whose senses have been exercised by the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 38, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When was the last time you tasted of the Lord? The Bible says, But be blessed, be, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. When was the last time you heard from the Lord when you saw God move? As we feed upon the word of God and apply it to our daily life, our spiritual senses get their exerc- exercise and become strong and keen. Paul would call this process exercising ourselves unto godliness, First Timothy chapter 4. As we grow in the word, we, lear- we learn to use it in our life. Guys, if you come here and you don't go out and it doesn't impact you, you are out there, it's a waste of time. Guys, it should transform us and make us more into the image of our Savior. Guys, we need to get to the point where when people see us, they see Jesus. And the way we live and the way we love and the way we respond and the way we reach out and the way we minister, that's only gonna happen though if we spend time in His Word, getting to know Him better, being transformed by His Spirit. As we grow in the Word, we learn to use it In our daily life, we apply the word of God. We exercise our spiritual senses. We develop spiritual discernment. But the characteristic of a child is they have no discernment. A baby will put anything in its mouth, right? As a young parent, or parent of a young child, I should say, when you have a child, you have to constantly get that out of your mouth. Because a kid, oh, ah," right? It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, dirt clod. I've had a lot of those, right? Can you get, they, or they come in the house, they've got dirt clot all over their mouth. And they will eat anything because they have no discernment. An immature believer will listen to any preacher on the TV or radio and swallow whole lies that are being taught. Why do they do it? Because they have not matured themselves. They do not know the truth of God's Word to be able to discern the difference between good and evil. Guys, the thing that will protect you, the thing that will keep you in the most holy faith, first and foremost, is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. But He's given us the Word of God. He put it in our hands so we wouldn't have to question or wonder. If you're sitting here, should I date an unbeliever? Let me, I don't know what I'm going to think about. You don't have to think about that. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen? Game over, case closed, that's it, it's done. But I've been dating him, I love him. You know what? Stop loving him. Love God more. (laughs) Amen? Just start loving God more. God needs to come first. And he gives us his word because he knows what's best for us. As I've said many times, he's not a no fun bummer God trying to keep you from fun. He's a loving heavenly savior who wants to keep you from harm. So he gives us his word. He wants us to read it and then act upon it and trust that he knows what's best. Amen. Lord, help us to move past spiritual maturity. Then at the final part, it says, use it says reason to use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil the ability to discern is a vital part of christian maturity the nation of israel why did they wander in the wilderness because they could not discern between the word of god and the word of men ten spies came back and said if we go in there giants gonna kill us we're like grasshoppers joshua and caleb came back and said god told us we could have it it's everything he said let's go get them." And they heeded the word of men over the word of God and they had saved souls and wasted lives in a sense. They've been delivered out of bondage but they never entered into God's highest. Lord, help us not to be satisfied with wandering in the wilderness and living a life that has no impact on eternity. Lord, help us to press in and want all that you have for us to enter into the land of promise, to be filled with your Holy Spirit. That whole generation died again because they heeded The word of men above the clear promises of God. These first century Jewish believers were in danger of doing the same thing. Outward persecution, inward temptation, go back to the old way of life, turn from Jesus back to the sacrifices, turn from Jesus back to the rituals. The Jewish believers were wavering. They were contemplating it. Many of them had already done it. Why? Because they had not spent time in God's word. If they had... When they heard it, they would have said, are you kidding me? Jesus came. He fulfilled that. You know, there are Christians today still trying to be Jews. You know that, right? There's a few of you in the room right now. Let me exhort you in love. We can learn a great deal from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I teach it on Wednesday night. It's good stuff. But guess what? Jesus came and he fulfilled it. And we don't go back and sacrifice lambs anymore and we don't go back and observe those feasts anymore though we can learn from them. They have no value to us spiritually in the sense that they were pointing to the Messiah. If we don't understand the one they were pointing to, we've missed it. Why hang on to the shadow when we got the real thing? Those were all foreshadowings of the one who was coming. And again, we can learn from them. I love the Old Testament. It rocks. It's great. But the Old Testament without Jesus at the end is a disaster because he's the answer he's the fulfillment of all of it spir- if we are spiritually mature the word of god will be the greatest single influence upon our lives everything we do will check out against the word should i do this let me see what the- let me spend time on the word let me hear from the lord let him guide and lead and direct and then it says to discern both good and evil guys we should not be moved by our feelings but the word of god your feelings will lie to you all the time. I've mean, had people come and tell me, but I just really feel. Okay, and? And you felt like sinning all day today too, right? Is that true or not? I mean, our feelings will lie to us, but I just feel this is the one. I just feel this is what God has for me. I just feel. You know what? Quit feeling and start getting into God's Word and hearing. Use your other senses, amen? Hear from God's Word. Spend time in God's Word. Hunger for it. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on what the world says. Amen. Amen. Well, the way they voted, and you know, the Jesus seminar came out and they voted on whether or not Jesus said this or Jesus said that, and they decided, well, we vote that he didn't, so he didn't. You can vote all you want, and you can all vote against it. he's still God. His word is still right, and you're not. Amen? God's always right, always. We don't put him up for a vote. That's so foolish. But the world we live in today, that's what we do. We want to debate whether or not God did it. You can debate all day long. He says it once. It's good. It's right. Trust Him. God's Word is the source of direction. The other thing, too, if we're going to discern, it can't be based on our circumstances. We can't base it on what the world says. We can't base it on our feelings. And we can't base it on our circumstances. Too often, we allow our circumstances to move us away from the very thing God had for us. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul was moved by his circumstances? We would not be reading most of the New Testament. Dude, the first time he got rocks thrown at him till he died, he, that's it, I quit. Right? I mean, he got stoned days and night in the deep, right? He got beaten 40 times the lashes, you know, 40 lashes minus one, seven times. Seven times. If he had been this kind of, been one time. Second lash, I quit, I'm done. I'm not, I won't do it anymore, I promise. Just leave me alone. And so often, that's how we get. Our circumstances get tough and instead of growing spiritually through them, we run away. You know what guys, in the midst of the turmoil, don't run from God, from God, but run to him. Amen. Run to the Lord. He's faithful. He knows what he's doing. It's also not the words of men. I don't care how popular some guy is on TV. I don't care some, you know, what do, I really don't care at all what Dr. Phil has to say. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what the words of men are. I care what the word of God is. Why do we ask you to have a Bible in your lap while I'm teaching? So you make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Amen? Amen. We want you to open it up and look and go, well, that doesn't say that. If I ever do that, give me the Paul treatment, right? I mean, 40 lashes, whatever. Here's the point. The point is... Like guys, we cannot be moved by men. We cannot be moved by our circumstances. We cannot be moved by what the world says is okay. And we should not be moved by our feelings, but only by the word of God and the leading of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's leading will always be confirmed in the word of God. Amen? But that's just too hard. So much easier just to go with my feelings. How's that working out for you? I felt like doing yeah, it was a disaster. So what's the application? How about those of us here this morning? Are we like these spiritually immature babes, putting anything in our mouths, listening to anything and trusting it, living our lives based on society standards, viewing success from a worldly standard? That's a big problem in the church today. We view success based on what the world says success is. We think success is the big house, and the nice cars, and the nice clothes, and, the, and we think if we got all those things, they're really successful. I've had people actually tell me, when I ask them about a family member, how's so-and-so doing? Oh, man, he's doing great. Got another promotion at work, just bought a bigger house, got a nicer car. Not walking with God at all, but he's doing great. No, he's doing lousy. Amen? Amen. Because if we don't have Christ, we're doing nothing that's of value. It's all wood, hay, and stubble. It's not who has the biggest pile of dirt at the end who wins. Amen? Because it's all dirt. We're shoveling dirt, you guys. What matters is, what do we do that impacts eternity? Heeding the words of men above the word of God. How many of us are doing that? Lord, help us not to do that. Are we feeding on the meat of God's word, the whole counsel of God? Are we being equipped to truly discern between good and evil? Is God's word the standard for your life? Or do you make excuses and try to find loopholes in the Bible? We've all done that. Amen? I can't tell you how many times people come in, they know it's contrary to the Word of God, but they'll try to take one verse out of context. But right here it says, Solomon had 900 wives. I should be able to have two. Right? You know, we try to take stuff, we try to take stuff out of context. We try to find a loophole that allows us to continue our sinful behavior. Guys, quit looking for loopholes and try to walk in the center of God's will. Lord, I don't want to tap dance with the world. I don't want to be hanging on the edge. Lord, I want to walk in the center of your will. Lord, help me to grow up. Get past the problem. Get past just the milk of the word, but dig into the meat. We're not going to get to the next chapter if you haven't figured that out. <laughs> we will next time. That's why we go verse by verse. See, if I, if I stop short, we just keep going. It's all right. Are we pressing in and stepping out in faith into all that God has for us? Or are we wandering in the wilderness? Have we, are we stepped in? Lord, I want whatever you have for me. I don't care. I'll put everything else aside. You're the only thing that matters. Let me go for it. Lord, let me follow you passionately. Lord, let me trust what your word has told me, and I don't care about the rest of the stuff. It's wood, hay, and stubble. It's piles of dirt. It doesn't matter. Lord, you're it. You're the passion of my life. I'm so blessed that we had three of our high school-age kids go down to Bible college, one of which had scholarship offers to play college basketball all over the place and turn them all down to go to Bible college. I love that. I love that. Amen? Amen. Lord, help us not to be caught between Egypt and Canaan. Lord, help us not to be satisfied with the get out of hell free card. Help us not to be satisfied with just being saved, but Lord, help us to live sanctified lives. Help us to be holy for you are holy. Are you passionately pursuing intimacy with our Savior? Or is our passion for the things of this world? You know how you can tell what someone's passion is? Where do they spend their time? What do they focus on? What brings them the greatest amount of joy? Do we truly desire to walk in holiness and faithful obedience to his word? Are we living lives of moral relativism based on the actions of the world around us? Are we grieved by our sin or are we making excuses for it? Lord, help us to no longer call you Savior but refuse to make you Lord. He needs to be Lord, not just Savior. Amen? Amen. Do we give him every aspect of our lives? Do we turn away from our sinful behavior? Help us, Lord. Help us to put off the flesh. Help us to give you the throne of our lives completely. Now, I'm going to get personal for a minute, and then we're going to go to our time of communion. But I I want to say, I was so blessed. Yesterday, most of you know, I did my daughter's wedding. And if you weren't there, you you know how I was. (laughs) It took me a long time to get through it. Because, you know, I just, I love my children. and And I love my new son, Kevin. But I'll tell you something that happened yesterday in the wedding that really touched me, and will always touch me. There was a point where I was sharing about communion and I, I briefly shared the gospel. And my new son-in-law, Kevin, started to weep. And he was weeping because he knew he had friends there who didn't know Jesus. And that's why he wept. And I thought, you know what? Lord, break our hearts for the lost like that. Help that to be the passion of our lives. Help us, Lord, not to be so consumed with this world that we miss out on the divine appointments that come every single day into our path. Lord, help us to grow up spiritually. Help us to be men and women of God, not babies forever. Amen? Now, I want to say this. Salvation is awesome. And that's where you need to start. Amen? Amen. But it's not the end. It's the starting point. It's the starting block of walking with God. If you're not here this morning, you can't walk with God till you come to know God. Amen? And you need to get to that starting point. You need to come to a place where you give your life to Him. But if you've been walking with God a long time, Lord, help us to grow up. So, marks of spiritual immaturity, dullness toward the Word, an inability to share with others, an improper spiritual diet, and a lack of spiritual discernment. Lord, help us to grow up in our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and we praise You for Your Word. And we thank You, Lord, that You don't call us to anything that's impossible. Lord, when you call us, you're willing to equip us. And so, Father, I ask that as you draw us into a deeper walk with you, Lord, that you would help us to step out in faith. You'd give us a greater passion and hunger for your word. Help us not to be swayed by the world, but passionate for you. Lord, I pray for those who are here that may have been walking with you a long time, but have been spiritual infants for years. Give them a new hunger for a new diet to get off the milk of the word and into the meat of the word, the whole counsel of God. And Lord, I pray it would transform our lives, conform us more into your image that you might be glorified. Lord, as we go to this time of communion, Lord, may we never take it for granted. Lord, your body was broken for us. It was broken so ours wouldn't have to be. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the incredible love and grace you showed us upon the cross of Calvary. Lord, I pray as we take the bread, we will remember that work and the pain and the torment that you suffered in our place. Lord, for the, the cup, the representation of your blood that was shed for us. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would take this time to look back to the cross of Calvary, to remember that work that you did for us. There's no more work to be done. Now it's time to enter into your rest to trust in you. Father, I pray also, Lord, that we not only look back, we'd look within our own hearts. We'd examine our hearts. If there be any wicked way within us, Lord, we would come confessing before you. We'd get right with you this morning. Father, I pray also, not only would we look back to the cross and look within to examine our own hearts, we would look forward to the day when we will have this supper with you in heaven. Lord, we can't wait to see you. But until we do, may we be busy about your work. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Time of communion, the way we do it here.